The following radio show takes place between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Events occur in fake time. Good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021, and it is yet another edition of Simulation Radio Live. And I want to start off tonight not claiming that I'm distracted for the fifth day of doing shows in a row, but instead, I want to give a little bit of solace to everybody out there that is afraid of the pandemic being over. They're afraid of going back to regular life, of not wearing masks. And I would like to tell all of you out there, if you're afraid of that, to not be afraid for much longer. Because we have in, we have an indicator here. This is live and this is breaking, breaking news here. Because this is important stuff. Look, everybody's looking to get back out and enjoy life, maybe take off their damn mask. Unless you're wearing it in your car, in which case, you're, that's probably stupid. That's probably a bad idea, and you don't want to do that. But we're probably looking for an indicator as, like, a defining moment to tell us, okay, pandemic's over. Let's start getting out there and doing shit again. And I have a key indicator, folks. This is breaking. Publix will be bringing back free cookies for kids at store bakeries. And I know what you're saying. Oh, my God. Where can I get one? And it's at Publix. And I believe that Publix is the first to have the floodgates open here. And they've decided a spokesman for the supermarket chain confirmed to Fox 13 over in Tampa that their free kids cookie program has been reinstated company-wide. So look, what happened was in the heyday of the pandemic, a lot of grocery stores, especially places like Publix, uh, where I used to work over at Walmart, they stopped giving out free cookies to little kids. Now, what happened was it, it just looks bad, right? The optics are bad. You're you've got your even though we're wearing gloves and the little fucking shitheads that are running around getting their free cookie, they're probably not wearing gloves. And it just is bad optics to be given a little kid a cookie and to have that potential contact in between two people. Obviously, it doesn't seem like there's any factual merit and it's all just optics and it's all uh performative pandemic things but Publix is opening the floodgates here they are bringing back the free cookie so if you want your free bakery cookie then head over to Publix get one for free and it's a sign of the times baby we are fucking back ladies and gentlemen we are back and Publix bringing everybody free cookies, that is the key indicator here. Sure, okay, maybe the CDC lifted their mask guidelines, maybe a lot of people are getting vaccinated. No, this is indicator number one right here, that the pandemic is over. The, the free cookies, everybody wants them, and you can now get them again over at Publix. The news 
comes at the same time that Publix has opted to make masks fully optional for vaccinated shoppers. So, look, it's the perfect time to bring it back, okay? Nobody wants to wear masks anymore. Everybody wants to, well, not not everybody wants to take off their mask. Mostly, there's obviously still some doomers out there that are going to continue wearing their mask. I've heard some some news stories about this, that there are people that have decided that they're going to continue wearing masks forever, which, okay, fine, that's okay. Just go do your thing, go wear your mask. But also, if you want a free cookie, then head on over to Publix and get your free cookie. They produce 2,400 cookies a minute, which I can only imagine that since Publix is, you know, a real grocery store, what they do is they actually make the cookies to give them out to to other people. They actually bake them themselves. And if you're an employee at Publix, by the way, which for those of us that are not listening, that are in the, the southeastern United States area, Publix is the cult following grocery store around here. I know there are a lot of people that live in other areas that might have like a Trader Joe's or I don't know what other what other grocery stores are popular in other parts of the world. But over here in the southeast U.S., particularly in Florida, Publix is the literal Jesus of grocery stores. Okay, Publix, whenever they do things, people in the grocery store industry listen to them and Publix bakes their cookies fresh themselves. I know how we used to do it over at Walmart. We would just uh, take a box of prepackaged fucking great value freshness guaranteed is their the Walmart brand. We would take one of those off the shelf, scan it that it's getting used for store things, and then we would just hand out prepackaged uh, great value cookies to little kids. There was this one annoying little shithead girl that would come in and make a big stink all the time about getting her free cookie. There were times when I would be halfway across the store too, and she would know that I was the person that would give her a free cookie. And she would come up to me, this little, little shithead would come up to me and ask me, Hey, are you giving me, are you going to give me a free cookie? Obviously they're a little kid and you cannot, uh, you can't, you can't say anything to a little kid, especially one that was probably raised poorly to not have self-control. She would be a whiny-ass motherfucker, too. It, if if we were closed, she would still come up to us and ask us for a cookie. And you know what, bitch? I just called a small child a bitch. But you know what? It, it, uh, look, this is, this is the kind of strife that people have had through the pandemic. And now the public is giving away their free cookies. Look, this might just it might just all be over. Another fun fact here, they blow through 2 million pounds of flour a week and 400,000 pounds of sugar. My God, 2,400 cookies in a minute, according to the general manager of the Publix Bakery. This was back in 2018. And every one of those cookies has about 45 to 50 chips in each cookie. So, wow, Publix's cookies, quality, folks. They are quality cookies, and you can get one for free if you go over to Publix. Look. Pandemic's over. You want to get your free cookie, walk in there and just grab it. We've got some other food news, too, because there was an investigation into maybe not an investigation, but it's more like a puff piece. Honestly, you know how uh, how all of these news outlets will sometimes put out like puff pieces on a product that is very clearly sponsoring them, which look. I get that journalism has to make money, but at least be a little bit more uh subtle about it like 
when news organizations are clearly promoting this specific product and oh seven products you should buy on this website right now okay that that's that's totally real journalism that's definitely happening but a georgetown massachusetts based company called levia has launched three cannabis infused seltzers so look the seltzer game is very uh it's very What's the word that I'm looking for? There, there's a lot of seltzers in the game right now. The The seltzer market is very full. God, there's one specific word that I'm looking for that I just cannot find right now. But the seltzer market, it's got a lot of things going on. A lot of people are making seltzers. A lot of companies have just decided, all right, we're coming out with seltzers because that's clearly the fashionable thing to do. It started with uh, White Claw, I believe. White Claw was the, the OG hard seltzer. And now hard seltzers are extending beyond merely alcohol because these cannabis-infused seltzers are now in roughly 40 dispensaries across Massachusetts. Each seltzer offers its own distinct flavor profile, and these are made by a company called Levia in Massachusetts. There is Achieve. Ooh. Companies always have to give the names of their products, like just generic, feel-good stuff i don't i know that this is what the people want but come on get fucking real achieve a raspberry lime flavor that uses a sativa blend and caters to those looking for a more active and alert experience which by the way i have a really hard time remembering what uh the difference between sativa and indica is and i heard a bit on the radio that i will i will never forget for the longest time the first time I ever smoked weed was when I was 16 years old. I am 28 now. So I don't want to say a long 12 years of a usage career like that. But for most of those 12 years, for about 11 years and six months out of that uh, that smoking career, I just did not have the ability to uh, remember which one was sativa, which one was the body high, the one that got you to get out and do things and you're feeling good and good vibes, and indica, which was the the more head high, the one that gets you to lay back, just relax a little bit, and maybe have a good time, more than likely watching something because you're you're just you're straight up not gonna have a good time trying to to do things. But I heard a bit on the radio about six months ago. This was from Tom and Dan. What Tom and Dan did was they have an ongoing joke. I don't know if it's an ongoing joke or if it was just a, a bit from one show, but Indica is going to leave you into couch. And I heard that. I'll never forget. I will never forget the difference between Sativa and Indica anymore. Because look, Indica is into couch. That means you're going to be into couch, not doing shit. So, now you know. Now, if you are ever needing to differentiate between sativa and indica, then now you know. Indica's in the couch, which means by process of elimination, sativa is the other one. Eric Rogers, who runs the company, said that we tried to make it extremely simple for consumers to identify which project, which product, will fit into their lifestyle or the need that they're trying to fulfill. We looked at the ethos of Massachusetts in terms of trying to lead healthy, active lifestyles. I don't know, man. I don't know if Massachusetts is the bastion of active, healthy lifestyles. I'm not entirely sure about that one. There's this bit in uh, in Ted, in case anybody has not ever seen that movie. It comes from uh, from 
Seth MacFarlane, who created Family Guy. And there's a bit in that movie where uh, Mark Wahlberg's potential love interest goes off on the like the stereotype of the Boston male who's the fat, got a four-leaf clover tattoo on their ankle. I don't know why I remembered this movie, but I think it's because I saw it recently. But I don't know. Boston just does not seem like the 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 mecca of healthy, active lifestyles. However, this cannabis seltzer, the Levia seltzer, cannabis-infused seltzer, has zero calories and zero sugar. So that's actually fairly important if you are trying to live a healthy and active lifestyle, which I don't know, healthy and active lifestyle and cannabis-infused seltzer does not uh, does not exactly correlate that much to me. As part of the process, they bring the cannabis flower in, they do extraction on site in the lab, and then the oil is added with what they call a special sauce in order to uh, to give it some juice, in order to give it the the juice. They give it a special sauce. They're, they're poured into mega tanks of seltzer. There it sits. It gets tested, and then it goes to the, the canning line. And so they've found a way to, to smartly incorporate cannabis oil and infuse it into their seltzer, which does not have alcohol in it, by the way. This is not, uh, this is not a cross-fade seltzer. It's only a cannabis seltzer, which contains 5 milligrams of THC, which is an amount that's in line with Levia's goal of creating a sessionable drink. So 5 milligrams of THC, not that much. It's probably not going to get you that high. It's essentially the equivalent of drinking a White Claw, right? Like, you're not going to get drunk by drinking White Claw. It's only going to keep you there. Although, God, I, speaking of not being able to get drunk on White Claw, I got drunk on White Claw the other night. They actually weren't White Claws. They were they were Trulies, which is it, it's an important distinction to make, by the way, even though they're essentially the same thing. I had six of them in like an hour, and that was enough to that was that was enough to get me drunk. I don't know how, but. I guess I'm just a lightweight. Ugh, I'm still getting used to that. But for those who are cannabis veterans, however, they are launching a new product very soon that's going to increase the dosage, which it'll come out with a companion line of water-soluble tinctures, which can be added to the beverage of choice, whether that's a, a Levia seltzer. They also sell coffee, too. Similar to the seltzer, though, the tinctures are almost completely clear and are also available in those same Achieve, Celebrate, and Dream options, which the we talked about Achieve, the raspberry lime flavor. There's also Celebrate, a lemon-lime seltzer, and Dream, a jamberry seltzer that uses an indica blend for a more relaxing, mellow effect. So they have a sativa, they've got a hybrid, and they've got an indica. The sativa is the raspberry lime flavor, the lemon-lime flavor is the hybrid, and then the jamberry seltzer is the indica flavor. Look, what if I wanted to mix and match those? Why, they couldn't have had a, a, a sativa berry seltzer flavor? Come on, Levia. If you're going to be launching the premier cannabis seltzer product, then these are all things that you got to think about here. Maybe that's just me. But you can have two or three beers to enjoy, said Troy Brosnan, who is another one of the directors of the company. 
why not have two or three of them? This is meant to be enjoyed by many, not the few who are what I would call cannabis veterans. So this product, the initial launch of this product, was not meant to uh, it was not meant to to be for the experienced weed smoker. This this cannabis seltzer, at least the initial launch of it, is only meant for people that are just kind of maybe dipping their dipping their toes into it, dipping their toes into the the getting high game. And honestly, I can't think of a much better way if you act, especially if you don't like smoking, I can't think of a much better way to maybe experiment with getting a little bit high than uh, drinking a cannabis seltzer. Look, if it's okay for alcohol, then why can't it be okay with with seltzer? Despite creating some initial delays in production and getting the products out to market, the pandemic actually did not have a negative impact at all on the launch of this product. In fact, it actually led more people to the product because look, you don't want to get out there and not have seltzer available to you. You you want to kind of I can understand this. I can completely understand how people getting out there, especially during the pandemic, it's going to cause them to consume more stuff, right? Especially if you're locked in your home and if you're uh you're just kind of not really doing anything. Look, you're probably going to need something to entertain you, right? And what better way to do that than to drink weed seltzer? Just do it. Drink weed seltzer. It'll make you feel good more than likely. If you don't want a weed seltzer, because apparently this company, Levia, also sells coffee. There's another company that sells coffee, and it's Starbucks. And unfortunately poor Starbucks. In fact, I would like to give a moment of silence to Starbucks here because they're a little bit too sensitive. They're weighing quitting Facebook over hateful comments. Starbucks is reportedly weighing whether to leave Facebook over the surge of hateful comments that the company has gotten in response to woke posts on the platform. So Starbucks is one of the uh, the biggest offenders of posting activist stuff on their page you know how like when black lives matter happens when pride stuff happens starbucks is the first company to be right there virtue signaling on social media because you know that's definitely what your company believes and it's not just to to brainwash low iq idiots into thinking that you're on their side and you're supporting social causes that's definitely what's happening BuzzFeed News obtained internal Facebook discussions in which employees wrote that Starbucks may take down its Facebook page, which has more than 36 million followers, because the company is so frustrated by the responses that it's getting to these uh, to these posts. Starbucks is in the process of reevaluating their organic presence on Facebook and whether they should continue to have a presence on the platform at all. And this is in response to their posts on social media about social issues. Look, People don't like when you're just woke virtue signaling from your fucking executive boardrooms. People can people are starting to be able to see through that. Okay? And if you can't take hateful comments on social media, look, if you can't take just focus on coffee. That's literally the most hateful kind of comment that I saw. I saw examples of hateful comments and they're just mean. That's it. And if you're a professional social media manager, then I I just I don't see what the big deal is. They're overwhelmed by negative and insensitive hate speech related comments on their posts. Hate speech? Come on. So just because people disagree with the fucking narrative of you have to to 
preach your allegiance to every social issue because people don't want to do that because people want to actually, you know, just go and get a fucking coffee. Maybe get a, you know, maybe get a nice deal here or there. Look, you look, if you want to post blind virtue signaling on your social media, at least throw some at least throw some uh, throw some deals in there. The employee also added that Starbucks struggled to moderate hateful responses and is unable to disable comments on their page. And this was in a, an internal leak, actually. And of course, this is how it's going to go. They, they leak it to the media. This is surely is going to make the problem go away is when the media does a fucking story about this. Maybe get people to feel sorry for Starbucks. No, nope, that's not quite how it works. You got to throw got to grow thicker skin, people. Starbucks said that it's not clear if the company's concerns extend to Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, or how seriously it's considering pulling its Facebook account. So this could happen. It could not happen. Look, all that's important here is that some internal Starbucks staffer decided, all right, we need to make a story out of this. Let me leak this to fucking BuzzFeed because that's that's how it goes. While some changes have been implemented, we believe more can be done to create welcoming and inclusive online communities. Wow, look at those buzzwords. They are real experts at this. We work collaboratively with all companies we do business with to ensure any advertising done on our behalf is in alignment with our brand standards. We don't want hate on our platform, and neither do our partners, said the spokesperson. We have invested in technologies to take down hate speech, and we proactively detect 97% of what we remove. So what's the fucking problem then? I don't get the problem. If you have social media monitors that are sitting there monitoring comments and you're actively getting rid of 97% of them, I don't see what the issue is here. What, are the social media monitors just, they don't have thick enough skin? Are they really whining about, how, oh my god, somebody called me a name on social media. Somebody called my fucking corporation, not even you. Somebody called me a name and that's it. This is going to be what, uh, this is going to be what, this is going to be how it goes. Maybe just stop pretending to care about social issues, okay? Dude, you're a fucking company. Look, we all know we can see through this shit, and I think it's time to stop, Starbucks. So I would like to, uh, before we move on to our next stories and take a little bit of a break here, when we come back, we've got a lot of stuff to get to. We've got, of course, the Kurt Cobain story that I teased earlier about how much his strands of hair went for on an auction. But first, let me, uh, I would like to give a little bit of a, a plug here to the show because I, I need to do a better job at promoting that. So if you're listening right now, we actually have some people listening right now. So welcome everybody that is listening to the live show right now. The, I'm, look, I'm saving you a podcast listen, okay? I'm saving you an hour of your day tomorrow. And in, in exchange, you get an hour of your time wasted now. So uh, congratulations, everybody. Thanks for coming along the ride. But... If you're listening to that podcast and you would like to listen to the live show, then you can at youtube.com slash simulation radio. We do this show, Simulation Radio Live, Monday through Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And of course, the Simulation Radio Week is capped off with the very interesting show at 11 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. Also, follow on social media because I've been posting some more stuff on social media trying to uh, get into contact with people and make some more interactions with people. Somebody in the chat, space trucking, but I like listening at work. You know, you know what? That's fair. That is fair, actually. And I'm sorry to take your content away from you for tomorrow. I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to, gonna have to maybe do work for that extra hour. Nah, that sounds boring. I'd rather be listening to this. But 
follow on social media. It is at Simulation Radio on everything, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Twitter, still working on. Instagram and Facebook, those are probably the most active ones right now, especially Instagram, because Instagram, something's banging on Instagram. Oh, and uh, I, I hate to say it. I hate to admit this. And it's not active right now, so don't go follow it. But at Simulation Radio on TikTok, too. I know, I know that I have really heavily crusaded against TikTok, not only on this show, but on especially on the very interesting show as well. Look, TikTok, come at me, but TikTok is the dumbest fucking social media. It's even dumber than Vine. I'm, it's even dumber. It is more terrible than Vine. Come at me. I, I will. I will die. On this hot take, I will die on it. This is the hill that I will die on, people. Look, I will die on it. TikTok is garbage, but, you know, also follow it anyway at Simulation Radio just in case. So when we come back, we've got the Kurt Cobain story. We've also got death row inmates in South Carolina have to make the most impossible choice that you could ever make if you're a death row inmate, which is how do you want to die? And fortunately, the state of South Carolina has got a couple of options for you, and we will talk about them when we come back. Stick around for about five minutes. Back in a moment. It's really insane to think about. There are people out there that actually pay a very, very hefty amount of money for celebrity memorabilia, right? Stories like that actually go viral just about every time it happens. Like, maybe some specific uh, celebrity memorabilia goes viral, and it's insane the amount of money that somebody will put down for it. And Kurt Cobain's hair is now another addition to that, that club. Each strand of Kurt Cobain's hair, there were six of them, they sold at auction for more than $14,000. God damn, that's a lot of money. Each strand eventually came out to around $2,300. It was $2,357.50. My God. Six strands of Kurt Cobain's hair sold at Iconic Auction's Amazing Music Auction for fourteen grand earlier this month. It went to the highest bidder, John Reznikov, who collects famous people's hair in the Guinness World Records' largest collection of historic hair. So at least it wasn't, at least it wasn't some Kurt Cobain fanatic. It was somebody that actually wanted the hair for the purpose of putting it into the the Guinness World Records collection. So it's actually going to to a museum. Still don't know why anybody would need six strands of Kurt Cobain's hair. Look, I know that he had long, flowing blonde hair, but. I don't know if six strands of it would be worth 14 grand. And honestly, the sentimental value of that kind of memorabilia, I can kind of put myself in that mental mode to try and uh, maybe 
sympathize with people about why they would be so crazy as to want celebrity memorabilia. But I just do not understand it, especially if it's something so menial. Like we've heard stories of like a celebrity's uh just useless piece of piece of clothing, for instance, that could go viral for selling for ridiculous amounts. Kurt Cobain's strands were allegedly the only known pieces of Kurt Cobain's hair out for sale. The strands were cut by his good friend Tessa Osborne in 1989 while Nirvana toured for Bleach, the, the album that was out at around that time. Accompanying the strands of hair, sold in a clear plastic bag, is a Polaroid photo of Tessa Osborne wielding a pair of scissors next to a beaming Kurt Cobain, and that was also given as just, just a little bonus, given as a little bonus prize pack to the highest bidder here. A piece of interesting trivia about the this story, they were cut in Birmingham, UK, and then were kept by Tessa Osborne until Kurt's death in 1994, where she then gave them to Seattle artist Nicole DiPolo as a gift with a handwritten note saying... 102989 test cut Kurt's hair in Birmingham, England. It's just a just just some record keeping. And that's that's how it went. The amazing music auction also sold memorabilia from other iconic musicians like the Beatles, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan and Led Zeppelin. So it's not entirely unheard of for memorabilia such as this, especially for somebody like Kurt Cobain, right, who has ridiculous amounts of conspiracies regarding his death and his relationship with Courtney Love. It's an interesting story to look at. And I think that the amount of value that this has is drawn from the fact that Kurt Cobain has been such a conspiratorial figure in terms of how his death played out. So maybe the the lingering story there kind of bled into the value of what his uh, of what his hair might have gone for now i teased it on social media as a feature for tonight's show penn state is making the news because you've heard the tradition you've been in high school before more than likely unless you're a weirdo homeschooler but i i say weirdo homeschooler but i'm gonna homeschool my kids when i have them but if you're a weirdo homeschooler then you probably have not heard terms like, uh, or at least were not part of, you've probably seen them on TV, you probably weren't part of the high school experience where you were a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, or a senior. And Penn State is really just taking the onus on getting out of the front of uh, of this, this insensitivity here. Because the faculty senate voted to remove gendered and binary terms from the Penn State course and program description, along with those specific terms that are male-specific student terms, like freshmen. Oh my god, it says men in it! They use the improper pronoun! How are we going to, to determine who's a fresh man and a fresh woman if we're removing them? The terms freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior would be replaced with terms like first year, second year, third year, and fourth year, which is actually the way that the rest of the world does it, by the way. The the rest of the world, those fucking weirdos out there, they they call it university, and they go first year, second year, third year, fourth year, so on and so forth. They don't actually use any of those terms. That's mostly an American tradition thing, which this is one of those things, yeah, fresh folk, exactly. It That's what we're going to have to start calling them. That's, that's how it's going to be. Look, we need gender-neutral terminology 
for for fresh folk. And look, that's the only way that this academic institution is going to be uh, adequately woke enough to satisfy people. Look, the recommendations also include replacing he, him, his, and she, her, hers with they, them, theirs. What? Come on, fucking pronoun. Do it Canadian style. I got my grade 12. Yeah, look, that's not bad either. It's just... It takes, it took the, it's kind of like upending your favorite tradition, right? Let's say you have a tradition growing up that you've done all the time. It feels like it's a part of your being. It feels like it's, it, it was critical to your experience. Not that these specific titles are, are critical to anybody's high school experience. Like, I'm, I don't know anybody that went to high school and it's like, oh yeah, I'm a senior. And the fact that I'm called a senior, look, it, if you're, if you're accustomed to being called maybe fourth year, then sure, it would be fine. But the meanings behind a lot of these traditional terms and more uh, male-specific terms, oh my god, fresh man, the meaning behind that, the tradition behind that, it's a little bit hard to shake. But Penn State is deciding to be the first. Another suggestion that the Faculty Senate is is enacting is to replace terms like upperclassmen and underclassmen with lower division and upper division. Come on. Of course the fucking participation trophy generation is going to need gender-neutral language, as if they, they can't just have their sensibilities be offended by a fucking tradition that is as old as time, which... That doesn't mean that it's okay, obviously. That doesn't mean, obviously, we take bad traditions and we kind of get them out of here. But this is legitimately one of the most harmless traditions that you could possibly have. According to the University Faculty Senate website, the reason for this particular push comes from the many classist and sexist terms used to describe students standing in courses at Penn State. Uh, come on. It, are, is, are you really that indoctrinated that this is the, the lengths that we're going to go? I don't know. It it just it just seems like it's it's blind and just kind of again I really don't like using the alt right buzzwords here but it just seems like empty virtue signaling again from Penn State like we saw it in Starbucks earlier before the break in their story about removing themselves from Facebook potentially look you got to start teaching people you got to teach the students that you're a you don't get anything you want and b You've got to learn to face adversity like that. And sure, if you're offended by being called a freshman, then you know what? One of the life lessons that our generation and the Zoomers are not learning is you got to fucking deal with it. That's how it is. You've got to fucking deal with it. And unfortunately, regardless of if it offends your your little sensibilities, if regardless of if it hurts your feelings, sorry, that's how it is. And it 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 just seems like something so menial and something so stupid that I don't even know why why they would possibly change it besides just to get clout. That's that's the reason that anybody does anything, right? Is for clout. Space Truckin says in the chat, this happens when life is too good. People have to nitpick every little thing in order to keep from turning their attention within. Exactly. It's just the it's the proper amount of distracting thing because look, if people are pissed off, if people have their emotions all riled up about being called a fucking freshman in college, then that's not a real problem. Look, if that's the biggest problem that you have, then you just straight up do not have real problems. Sorry, 
maybe that hurts your feelings too, but you legitimately do not have a real problem if the thing that you're the most worried about is what fucking pronouns people are calling you and if everybody's referring to you as the right fucking terminology. That's, sorry, get some real fucking problems. I mean, you probably do have real problems. You're just, uh, you know, they focus on, the problem with that is that they take all this menial shit and they just focus so hard on it that, yeah, you're exactly right. It stops them from turning their attention within themselves and doing any sort of meaningful self-reflection on how they can do better. And everything is everybody else's fault. Everything is, uh, it's, it's the terminology that I'm being called. I'm just such a victim. No, most of the time you have the power to control your own life. You have the power to control how you feel. You have the power to control how you interact with things. You have the power to control your outlook on life. And by letting this take the power away from you, you're only giving a disservice to yourself by not allowing yourself to have that inner reflection that most people need. Look, the sad part is, is that in order to become a properly developed person, you have to turn that attention to within yourself and you have to, kind of have your own coming to Jesus, right? That's what it took for me. It took reaching rock bottom and having that coming to, to coming to terms with myself that, you know, no one's coming to save you. You can play victim all you want, but you ultimately, you've got to be the one that changes things. And it's stuff like this that continues to perpetuate the idea that young people do not have to take responsibility for anything, that everything else is everybody else's problem. And all you have to do is just push for stupid change in areas that don't matter, and then, boom, that solves all your problems. And I just don't think that that's the right way to approach things. South Carolina has another interesting way of approaching things because they have offered a choice to death row inmates. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster signed a bill into law that forces death row inmates for now to choose between... All right, you got two options here. You got the electric chair or you've got the firing squad. You've got two choices and you have to pick one of them in the hopes that the state can restart their executions after an involuntary 10-year pause. So what happened was, in South Carolina, the only way that they could execute people was through lethal injection, right? And so they actually were very low on supply in lethal injection serum. I don't know exactly what the cocktail is, but they were in short supply of it, and they actually had to stop. They had to halt all executions until they could get this figured out. Unfortunately, now for death row inmates that will soon be coming to an end. It retains lethal injection, though, as the primary method of execution if the state has the drugs, which the reason that this law was even signed is because the state didn't have drugs, but, you know, once they do have drugs, then uh, they'll, they'll probably go back to doing that, according to the law. However, it requires prison officials to use the electric chair or firing squad if it doesn't. So if there's no drugs, if they don't have the lethal injection cocktail, then you know what? You either got to be zapped or you just line up and boom, it's done. It's over. Prosecutors said three inmates have exhausted all of their normal appeals but can't be killed because under the previous law, inmates who don't choose the state's 109-year-old electric chair automatically are scheduled to die by lethal injection. So currently how it works is you can pick between the electric chair or you can get the lethal injection. However, the inmates on death row, and there are three of them right now that have been scheduled for execution, are, they're just, they're in a limbo period. And they know that if the state does not have the lethal injection drugs, they know that if the state doesn't, can't actually kill you, then 
you just got to wait in a limbo period, and that's all that you can do. And that is what the purpose of this law is. How soon executions can begin is up in the up in the air. The electric chair is ready to go. Prison officials have been doing preliminary research into how firing squads carry out executions in other states, but are not sure how long it'll take to have one in place in South Carolina. So they're doing the research on how it, how how to get a firing squad, which I'm not going to lie, I really want to be part of that research team. Look, if I could be part of the research team that got to figure out, got to go find my elite firing squad to execute prisoners with, I, I really want to be part of that research team. So can't we just feed them only Doritos and Mountain Dew until the type 2 Beatus gets them? Honestly, I'm down for that. Look, they should have been doing that from the start, okay? As soon as they go into limbo period, their diet should immediately consist of Doritos and Mountain Dew. Or if you listen to yesterday's show, I'm down to start feeding them Flamin' Hot Cheetos because we learned yesterday that the creation story behind Flamin' Hot Cheetos was all a lie and... They should be punished for it. Let's just punish all the, the death row inmates by feeding them flaming Hot Cheetos. The only issue with that is that they might enjoy it. And as sad as that is, that's... You know, I, I, I'd be down for some flaming Hot Cheetos. It wouldn't be my last meal. It would not be my last meal, but definitely give me some flaming Hot Cheetos at some point if I'm on death row. Which, I'm not going to lie, based on the, the, the way that this radio show is going, I could be on death row. Let's... Give it, uh, I wonder what the over-under is on, let's say, five years of anything that I've said on this radio show could possibly be used to just put me on death row and string me up. I I think that's a possibility. So, I'm down for some flaming Hot Cheetos on death row. Unfortunately, for the people that are on death row in South Carolina, they will soon have to choose between the electric chair and a firing squad. The method is cruel and unusual. Flaming diarrhea to death. Look, it's not any more cruel or unusual than a fucking firing squad, right? Look, would you rather have ass-blasting diarrhea and die just having your rectum fucking fall out of your ass by eating endless flaming Hot Cheetos? Or would you rather line up to with a with a firing squad and, you know, have get your business taken care of there? Or... The electric chair, my god, isn't the electric chair essentially the equivalent of having ass-blasting diarrhea and dying from that? So, we'll see where this goes, and I'm curious as to see the uh, the fate of the death row inmates as they, they make their decision. A story that went viral over in the UK, now... Let me, let me know if this sounds a little bit odd to you. So, there's a serial killer named Joanna Dennehy, and she was able to go through the prison system. She killed three people, but while she was in prison, she found a partner. She found uh, another partner. Her name was Haley Palmer. That was her first name. She eventually changed her name to Joanna Dennehill. Dennehy. I don't know why that added the extra L onto there. Joanna Dennehy, she found a partner in prison, and the conditions to that partnership as Joanna Dennehy is going through prison rehab right now. She's trying to get out of the system. And look, let me put this picture of her up on the screen here. Look, you can see it on the camera. That is a real true-blooded fucking serial killer right there. Look at that. She, she's holding a fucking knife. Look. The condition between her and her partner, though, in order to marry, because they're planning on getting married, 
The condition behind that, however, is all you've got to do is just promise uh, no more murders. Just don't kill anybody else, and then we're good. Then we can get married. Palmer has said her original name, Haley Palmer, was said to have changed her name to Dennehy with a friend saying, it's a very strange relationship. It's very weird, but they seem to be good for each other. Wow. Haley speaks about Joanna like she's her high school sweetheart. So actually, Haley Palmer, which Joanna Dennehy changed her name at some point while she was in prison, but her girlfriend is the one named Haley Palmer. And Haley speaks about Joanna like she's her high school sweetheart. Haley joked that they would not be allowed to cut their wedding cake because there's no way that they'd let Joanna have a knife. They both want to be married by the end of the year. Now Haley's out of prison. Haley Palmer, who is a street robber in Petersboro over in the UK, she finished her 16-year sentence saying that she's already taking legal advice on arranging the, the wedding. However, Joanna Dennehy is serving a life sentence in prison right now. So while Haley Palmer, her girlfriend, was able to get out and go through the prison rehab system and you know, maybe have a potential future life. Joanna Denny, not so lucky, but they're still going to get married. But now that Haley is out of prison, she's petitioning for permission to get married as soon as they can. So apparently you can still get married while you're in prison. It's fine. It's just a thing that happens. All, all, all you have to do is just promise to, no, don't stab anybody else. Hey, hey, no, we're not getting married. Dennehy is currently serving a whole life sentence and is just one of two women alive currently doing so. The other being Rosemary West, who murdered, uh, she just, you know, casually murdered young women and children along with her husband, Fred. So the reason that Dennehy is in prison right now, she murdered 48-year-old Kevin Lee, 31-year-old Lucas, oh god, here we go with names again, Slabazuski. alright, alright, we kind of got there. And John Chapman, age 56, who took place over the course of 10 days in 2013. So she's serving a life sentence for triple murders in 10 days in 2013. One of them, Lucas, age 31, she, he was the first victim. He was a Polish national who she'd spent mere days before killing him at a property in Petersburg around March 19th of 2013. The other guy told his friends that he had met an English girlfriend, and after being coaxed by text messages from Joanna, he went to meet his killer. It is thought that he was expecting a sexual encounter. So he goes looking for a little something-something, and she just decides, no, not having any of it. I'm going to kill you. Oh, apparently Rosemary West is nasty. Yeah, Rosemary West. She was, that's, She's the other person that's currently serving a life sentence. So this is... This is the other. There are two people that are currently serving life sentences for, you know, inane, like asinine murders of people. And this woman, Joanna Dennehy, is the other one, along with Rosemary West. I don't know if it was a big case over there. If uh, I also don't know when the Rosemary West thing happened. I imagine it was probably a huge case that made all the news over there. Right. But Lucas, he met his fate. After attempting to have a sexual encounter with Dennehy, her second victim was John Chapman, who was killed a little bit less than 10 days later on March 29th. He was a Falklands veteran who lived at a bedsit in the same property as Dennehy and was high on drink and drugs as she stabbed him in the neck and chest. After taking John's life, Dennehy contacted her accomplice, Gary Richards, who was known as Stretch. Wow, that's that's a name. She deserves the Flamin' Cheeto treatment. You know what? I'm down. Give her the Flamin' Cheeto treatment. I am totally down for that, from what it sounds like here. Unfortunately, 
via the fate for her looks like she could maybe just get married to her long lost high school sweetheart supposedly high school sweetheart which is what they what they acted like after taking john's life she contacted stretch and she told him oops i did it again okay now, th this seems like a definitely rehabilitatable person right here. Oops, I did it again. You're not Brittany, bitch. She then transported the bodies in a car with the help of Stretch and another friend, Leslie Layton, before attempting to bury the bodies. Kevin Lee was Dennehy's 48-year-old landlover and landlord. Landlo did I just say landlover? All right, so she was that. She was the landlover. He was the landlord and the lover, which, you know, you do a Brangelina, you put them both together, and all of a sudden, they're the landlover now. He was stabbed in the chest. Oh, what a surprise. She stabbed him in the chest on March 30th, just one day later. And thus, Dennehy now is serving a life sentence. Oh, what a surprise. That's a shame. She's serving a life sentence for stabbing three fucking people. The unrepentant serial killer met somebody in Bronzefield, Surrey, where the couple, both 38, were involved in a failed suicide pact. So that's how she met her girlfriend. They both decided, Haley Palmer, her and Haley Palmer, they both decided when they were 38, they were in prison together, and they thought, all right, let's commit suicide together, because this is it. We've already killed three people. Uh, hey! Might as well just do it to ourselves. So they, that's how they met. Failed suicide pact. And the only reason that Joanna hasn't killed anyone in prison so far is because her girlfriend wouldn't let her. Her girlfriend supposedly was rehabilitated and does not want Joanna to attack anybody anymore. Oh, that's that's it. That's all it takes is finding true love. All it takes for an insane serial killer to stop killing. I I don't know. Maybe she's probably a psychopath, though. So I don't know if it's true love. That's that's a shame. Haley is looking to get human rights people involved as Joanna is not allowed visitation. So they're not even allowed to see each other. The only way that they can communicate is however you can communicate nowadays, probably by letter. I don't know if they still do the prison pen pal system, but that seems to be the only way that they can contact each other. And you know what? I don't want to say that I hope she doesn't find true love, but if she does find true love, then I just hope there's some sweet, sweet justice that's wrapped up in there at some point. The source added, Joanna is the more girly one, so Haley would not wear a dress for the wedding. She'd probably wear a suit. So in case, in case that was the primary question on your mind as to who's the dominant one, who's the butch, and who's the more female one, then that's the answer. It was, it's actually uh, the girlfriend, Haley Palmer. So of course, look at her. Of course, she's going to be the, uh, the feminine one, question mark. I don't know about that. It, I don't know. I got to see a picture of the girlfriend to, to determine how that's going to look here. God, the amount of detail on that knife. Check that knife out, too. Look at the amount of fucking detail that is on that knife. If that was the knife that she'd used to stab people with, then my God. My God. So we have a couple minutes to wrap up the show, and so let's do Reach for the Sky. Oh, no, not my shit. Somebody do something. Reach for the Sky. Oh, no, Sheriff Woody. Is that a Warcraft prop? said space trucking in the chat i honestly look at that that looks kind of like some uh looks like some wow space or not 
spacecraft. That looks like some WoW memorabilia right there. That looks like one of those fucking custom knives that you could get made at one of those uh, cheap video game shops. As long as it can stab somebody. That's all that I'm sure she cares about. So, as we close out the show for Reach for the Sky, we go to randomquestionmaker.com to kind of cool down a little bit here. We've got Candid, Weird, Icebreaker, Creative, and Funny. So, you know what? Let's do an icebreaker today because we've got a lot of new people listening to the show tonight live, which I would fully recommend, by the way. It is at Simulation Radio on all the social medias youtube.com slash simulation radio make sure that you press that subscribe button that would be right uh let's see where is it on the camera that would be right there there ish roughly you're missing out on this if you uh if you see the video so you should check it out and catch the live show so we have an icebreaker let's see what kind of questions are we gonna have uh what do you do in your free time my God, randomquestionmaker.com really knows how to just hit below the belt here because the problem is, is I don't have any fucking free time right now. I didn't mean to emotionally lash out there, but you know what? I Between working a full-time job and having to spend all the time, look, because I run simulation radio. I do just about everything. I do all of the social medias. I'm creating content for the website. I have to plan four shows a week. This is this feels like a full-time job, too, so I do not have a lot to do in my free time. To be fair, I take one day off a week. I, I do take Sundays off. I try not to do any work on Sundays. I try and be a little bit recreational. I try and uh, at least enjoy myself a little bit to come down for the week because I'm so fucking busy. Look, it, and that's just the hustle. Like, if you want to better yourself, if you want to want to uh, get on the grind, a little bit, then that's how you got to do it. Look, I've been inspired to work really hard, grind for a little while, and it will be, it'll it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it in the end. But for now, I just don't have any free time between full time job, doing the show work, and trying to be healthier and exercise and do all that stuff. I'm trying to have a little bit of structure here, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. But Sundays, what I like to do is. The sad part is, is that my sleep schedule coming off from uh, from Walmart was because I used to work 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. And so I was on the wake up at 4 a.m. Uh, sleep schedule and that 4 a.m. sleep schedule. I'm just so used to it by now that even on Sundays, I would wake up at like six, seven in the morning. And then all of a sudden you have the whole day to yourself. And it's days like that where I'm a little bit lost. Honestly, sometimes I don't even know what to do on Sunday. And one of my hobbies, my biggest hobby right now is unfortunately video game related. I'm trying to do some different stuff. Like, for instance, this year, I would like to start learning how to play bass guitar. I'm thinking about buying one and taking some uh, some online YouTube lessons. That that would be that would be fun. That's my favorite part of uh, most bands. Honestly, whenever I listen to music, stuff that's got slap and bass, I, whew, I like it. I like it a lot. So I'm trying to do that. I'm also playing... Team Fight Tactics, which is a game that it's like an offshoot of League of Legends because I'm very much a fan of esports. Esports is honestly my biggest free time waster, and I'll probably start streaming some more uh, some TFT on the channel at some point soon. It's I've not really had a lot of time to play it because we just recently started doing you know Simulation Radio Live Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so the week is pretty filled. But I don't know, I. I got to grind a little bit more first before I have free time. 
the fact that I have free time at all means that I'm just not working hard enough. I just got drums last month. Bass is awesome. Yeah, look, I, I don't know how old you are, but it's really interesting picking up a skill like that that a lot of people learn from like a really young age. So I'm 28. So it almost seems like it would be somewhat impossible to pick up a new instrument and learn it and have that same level of familiarity with it that one might have if they started learning it from a young age. But it's still a very important thing to do is to have fun with stuff like that. Learn new skills. It keeps your brain sharp. It'll stop you from having dementia at an old age. And so keeping yourself mentally engaged like that is ultimately just ridiculously important. And I think that it's a cornerstone to... Let me let me see if I can pull the quote from the the cannabis seltzer story earlier. An active and healthy lifestyle. So if you want an active and healthy lifestyle, then get to work, start doing shit, and that was the show, everybody. I'll see you guys tomorrow night at 7 p.m. to wrap up the week at Simulation Radio Live. Of course, simulationradio.net/live is where you can find everything and. That's it. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow. Bye. Remember you all in therapy.